0: Oh my god, what's up party people? Welcome to this week's episode of Romancing Nancy Drew. I'm your host, Indy Nickerson, which stands for Nancy Drew Nickerson. You can find me at Indy Nickerson on Twitter, or you can find me at Romancing Nancy on Twitter, if you are so inclined. The Oh, this would be actually the last episode of this season, but um, I'm going to do a bonus episode for this season. I'm going to do Double Crossing, which is the very first Nancy Drew slash Hardy Boys Super Mystery I do. I have no recollection of this damn book, none, so it's going to be a hot ride, like, oh my god, nerds, just so many nerds, anyway, um, the book was originally published the same month as Till Death Was Part, so I'm kind of like, well, I'm very close to the date it actually came out, uh, the second one is A Crime for Christmas, so I might just hold that for December. Anyway, this week's episode is Rich and Dangerous, which uh, that's that's a pretty generic title, y'all. I mean, it's fine. Um, there's some interesting weird stuff that happens in this book that, I mean, by the end of it, we have devolved into just sheer nonsense, but it's fine. The premise of this book is that Nancy and her father are in New York, and every time the ghostwriters are like, oh my god, it's it's like her first visit to New York, and I'm like, Girl, she spends, like, every fifth book in New York. Like, you need to get a grip on things. The second fucking book of the series was in New York. Like, her aunt lives there. She's there all the time. This book, though, they are not with her aunt for reasons. Um, Carson is in New York because he is attending a law enforcement Interpol conference. He is one of the speakers, and he is also a consultant for fucking Interpol, as in they come to Carson fucking Drew for advice, which I love every single part of that. Hello, Perry Mason, can we please get some tips on how to handle shit? So anyway, um... (laughs) So there's some jackassery in this book from the local cops that Nancy's like Nancy just looks at him and is like, "Do you know who my fucking father is?" Like, "Oh my god, y'all, really just step the fuck off." Um so because Carson is the prized possession of Interpol they are at the Plaza Hotel. Okay. So whoever did this book actually decided that they wanted to name drop a bunch of New York shit. So they're staying at the Plaza Hotel, like legit. Um, The Trump Tower also appears, which to me was always feels like a sucker punch because it's like two weeks after the election, I was watching two weeks notice and I was like, Oh, yeah, guess who forgot about that cameo. So mm, yeah, so the the Trump Tower actually appears in this book. As well as Broadway, which hilariously while they're in Saks Fifth Avenue, they're just name dropping all this shit. And then all, and then Nancy and her father are like, we're going to go see a musical. It's called music exclamation point. And I'm like, so you couldn't even be like, they're going to go see Phantom, which at this point of what been on Broadway for God, I, I think it started in like fucking 81 or some shit. So anyway, it had been on there for a hot minute. Um, but anyway, music just any kind, any kind you can imagine. Um, okay. So they're at the Plaza Hotel in the fucking penthouse, y'all. They're, they're on the penthouse floor. Nancy's looking around and she's like, oh, I love this place. Yes. I'm going to tell my friends all about this. And I'm like, girl, they've been with you when, when you go, it's, it's like you got hit on the head and forgot about all the other times you've been in New York city, but okay. So Nancy's looking around, she's like, yes, this is fantastic. She's looking forward to spending time with her father, because as all, like, if you've noticed in the files, a lot of the time, like a a lot of the time, Carson is just absent, completely absent. So it's Nancy and Hannah, and Hannah can be like, now be safe, y'all. And Nancy's like, mm-hmm, and just runs out the door, so... It's like she doesn't have a parent most of the time. So Nancy's like, it's going to be nice to have, I don't know, a few meals with him. Like, when he's not at his conference. She has zero interest in going to his conference, which is hilarious. Although I guess she probably wouldn't be able to... I don't know. This is Nancy fucking Drew we're talking about. Like, you'd think that she would be able to walk up to the bouncers at this conference and be like, hello, do you know who my father is? And they'd be like, we do. We have a front row seat for you. So, oh, I'm sorry. School is back in session. So... What I love about this book, I don't think, and we're going to find out because I'm going to read almost all of them, um, I don't think that any other ghostwriter ever alludes to the fact that Ned proposed to Nancy in the previous book. Like, it's just a thing that didn't happen. It's a thing that was a plot convenience, and so therefore we just need to just shut the fuck up about it, so... um Nancy and her father go up to their penthouse suite. They are shown to a room that is the size of their living room at home is the main room of this. And like Carson has his own bedroom. Nancy has her own bedroom. And I was like, you know what this makes me want to do, right? This makes me want Nancy to sneak Ned into her play. But of course Ned's back in, in college. So Nancy um, goes up to there and she's like, okay, I'll be right back, um, I don't remember why the fuck she's gonna be right back, um, but her father has some phone calls to make or some shit, um, but anyway, Nancy overhears a group of people, so, all right, to do our fantasy casting, because I, and neither remember nor care what their actual names are, there isn't. Hilariously, when Nancy sees her, she's like an old woman, and then she's like, no, no, she's an older woman. She looks like she's probably about 50, but she looks 10 years older than that, and I was like, 50 ain't old, but okay. Okay, just rub that in. Um, Assuming that her name is Sarah Amberley, you're like, you said you didn't care, and I'm like, I don't, but it's fine. Um, Sarah Due to that, if she is around 50 years old at the time that this takes place, which um, would have been born into the World War II-ish. This would have been 1988, so 1938-ish. Yeah, there's a picture that's present in the book that would have been taken around the end of World War II. Um Yeah, so she was Sarah, who will be played by Jessica Walter for this book, was born around that time. She was born in Boston in poverty, and so there's actually like a picture that she keeps in her suite from that time that she's basically dressed in rags um, in front of their household. She was born poor into a poor family. Um, and then she married her husband. So her, her original last name is Kale, K-A-L-E, which I was, every time I saw it, I was picturing leafy vegetables, leafy green vegetables, leafy greens. So Sarah married Mr. Amberley, who was an industrial magnate of some sort. So he had a fortune. And so he, he trained Sarah in the ways of being the rich because clearly she didn't have that. Sarah has a sister named Alice who, um, I guess Cheryl, we will cast Cheryl from Archer for that one. And she has a nephew named Jack. He will be played by Archer because he has dark hair. He has piercing blue eyes and he enjoys gambling. And I was like hitting all the high notes. Also, he enjoys the ladies. Um, when Nancy sees him, when she sees the entire group, um, she sees him and she's like, damn, that boy can get it. I mean, not me, just in general. If if General Gunning were to be done, he could get it. Um, he very much behaves like he is a very smooth ladies' man, and Nancy's like, I ain't going to fall for it, and I think that you're probably garbage, but you're hot. I'll give you that. There's a fourth person in the entourage, and he is Elon Musk. I cannot remember the name of the character. I think it's the weird spelling for Peter. He has, like, a Dutch last name, and he is part of a family that apparently owns a diamond mine with the implication that because his last name is dutch and it's a diamond mine i was like okay so is elon musk he's he'll be played by elon musk for this so um sarah jessica walter is dating elon musk who apparently has a thing for older older ladies um in the book he's not he's presented as not nancy's age like i guess he's supposed to be about sarah's age i think ish but anyway, so that's her current boyfriend slash fiance slash fuck buddy. IDK. So um, they are staying in the penthouse suite next to Nancy's. Um, I can't exactly remember how they run into each other. I think that whenever Nancy like walks out in the hallways to go to the elevator or whatever the fuck, she overhears them talking. So the things that Nancy learns about them are: Sarah is basically the head of the family. Um, because it's her sister, her nephew, and her fiance slash fuck buddy, Elon. Um, she's got all the money. She holds all the purse strings. She is very opinionated. She likes to speak her mind. Um, but she also is bitching at them for not, um, keeping track of her medication. She's like, I'm about to run out. Y'all are just not keeping track of this shit. I don't know what's going on. And they're like, they're there, like very much just patronizing her um, so when Nancy goes to look at them, of course, she's like, she looks, she looks like she'd been road hard and put away wet, like she's, <laughs> Nancy ain't here for this shit, um, she's complaining that she has a heart problem, um, that her, she's got special medication for it, her sister, apparently, Nancy says that her clothes are like 10 years out of date and kind of shabby looking, and she herself looks kind of like a hot mess. Like just she doesn't give a good impression. Jack, of course, hotness, Archer. Dumb, dumb as shit. And then we've got Elon who looks like a pretentious asshole. So there's that. Um Nancy, I think at this point, like she overhears them and oh, the Archer is like, oh, I'll go back and lock the door. But when Nancy goes she notices that the door is actually, like, slightly ajar, and she's like, that's weird. He specifically said that he was going back to shut the door. So, she goes into this, like, she goes over to shut the door, and, of course, accidentally pushes the door open. You're like, girl, no one believes that, but okay. So, she pushes the door open and walks in, and the, that penthouse suite is, like, all of her and Carson's penthouse suite would be in the main room of this suite. Like, this is the good shit. Nancy goes to the window and looks out and she's like, oh my God, look at this. Look at this. Like, she's just in love. The thing is that like, when Nancy's talking to her father about the fact that apparently Interpol comped this suite for them, um, they're like, yeah, we would, we wouldn't have done this. And I'm like, would you not have, would you not have, I don't know, like, they keep trying to present Nancy as like i guess upper middle class but to me i'm like you have a level of wealth and privilege that i've never imagined so i mean it's it's beyond me and always it's fine it's fine so she looks out the window she's like oh my, oh my god this looks just fantastic um and i can't remember exactly what happens i th- at one point sarah walks in jessica walter who uh, like i would say that she's more her character in of Development, than she is Mallory Archer in this, like, she's far more Lucille Bluth, like, very haughty whenever she talks to the hired help, um, very much knows how she wants shit, but also has, like, the heart condition, so she's, you know, the cougar ants are heavy, so, also, how much could a banana cost? Ten dollars, so, that's her, that's her for this, so, she meets Nancy, and I think that, like, Nancy does her a favor so I cannot remember how the fuck they actually meet um oh shit no I do um Nancy comes back after dinner or something she comes back after maybe she wanted to get a snack I don't know there, there's a bunch of snacking in this book where people are like I'm going to order a cheese tray and you're like yeah legit um but she hears a an argument between Sarah Lucille I guess and her sister and she goes over there because she hears somebody calling help and when she pushes the door open because of course like nine times out of ten if you try the door this sweet it's gonna be open um Sarah Lucille is like y'all just ain't gonna shut a door around here like y'all need to shut some fucking doors I got a lot of shit people want to steal it Um, so she goes in there and she sees that Lucille is at the side of her bed and like gasping for breath and, and needs her pills. And so Nancy goes over there, gets her pill container, gets a pill out for her so that she can take it, gets her a glass of water and everything. And so she's like, oh my God, oh my God. Yes. Oh, I I knew that you would help me. And Nancy's like, we've, what we've, we've never met. She's like, oh, well, I had a tarot reading this afternoon and the three of cups, I knew that you would come, and Nancy's like, oh, okay. So interestingly, Nancy sees the tarot cards, recognizes them as tarot cards, but doesn't really understand the significance of them, and she doesn't say anything like, wow, you're a dipshit. Like, she doesn't do that. She does think that probably the person who is reading her cards is probably a con artist or a scammer, and you're like, that fits in with, like original gangster Nancy, where it's like, anybody who's doing anything that involves fortune telling is almost always going to be trying to swindle or defraud somebody, so there's that, um, but anyway, Sarah's like, oh, you're gonna help me, you're gonna be my, you're gonna be loyal, and true, and brave, and and you're gonna help me, and Nancy's like, well, I am all of those things, you are not wrong, but, um, mm, sure, sure, girl, um, so Sarah's like, um Nancy's like, Oh, I'm sorry for coming in like that. And Lucille's like, Girl, anytime. You can come in anytime. You are you're my guardian angel. And it's like super creepy, but okay. Um but she likes the old lady. Like, and again, she ain't that old. Um, but she's like, I you know, I I like her. I think that she's she's got some flaws. We all do, but you know, she's got a good heart. So Sarah tells Nancy all about her life. She tells her about her first husband and she was like, he's the love of my life. Like I, I'm never going to, nobody's ever going to measure up to this guy. He was fantastic. Um, her sister is neurotic. Um, Jack is Jake, Jack, Jack, Jake. Archer is just good for nothing, like, he takes advantage of her money, and, and Lucille slash Sarah is like, I'm gonna show him, I'm gonna cut him out of the wheel, and you're like, oh god, we all know how this ends, we all know how this ends, so, um, Nancy, in the process of this, I think that she actually, she goes to her father's, their room, and is like, yeah, let's, let's have dinner together, and he's like, oh, I'm on the phone with, like, the Dutch, chief of police as though there's one chief of police for all of all of that country and this is him and he's on the phone with Carson and Carson's like he likes to be quite thorough I will need to get back to you and I'm like what the f- what the literal fuck what entire countries entire countries are basing their strategies on Carson Drew's advice I've got a lot of questions um but anyway Nancy goes down to the oak room which I did not look at but I'm assuming is actually like legit the dining room that everybody would want to visit if they were at the plaza, Um, where she meets Maximilian. Okay, I think that Maximilian is actually a really fascinating character for this. I cannot remember his last name. I don't remember if he provides it. I think he does. But he is very deeply interested in the group of people that is living next door to Nancy in the hotel. He tells Nancy that they visit like four times a year, that he has waited on them slash served them many times, that they are basically rich assholes. And he's like, and I know more, which I can tell you. If you cross my palm with silver. And Nancy's like, "Mm," he doesn't exactly say that. He's like, for a fee. And Nancy's like, ah, no. (laughs) And she thinks to herself, I'm Nancy fucking Drew. If I have to pay for information, I don't deserve it. (laughs) Which I love it. I love that she's like, I'm very confident in my abilities and I may as well just hang it up if I can't figure this out for myself. So you do you, honey. You do you. And she like, it's interesting, like, in the beginning of the book, when he's, like, telling her everything, and he's like, I can tell you more, she seems, like, intrigued by him, but the further into the book it gets, because it seems very much like he, he sees himself as a purveyor of information for a price, and she is not here for that shit, so she seems to become less and less patient with him and his machinations, um, yeah, I've got some questions about Maximilian, um, let me think, a lot of, a lot of fucking shit happens in this book, um, Nancy goes upstairs and is, it's after dinner, um, she calls Ned, who gets on the phone, and Ned's like, oh, I'm so glad to hear from you, and Nancy's like, I'm, New York is great, I can't wait until the next time we visit, we're, we're totally gonna do blah blah, but then, like, there, a huge argument breaks out next door, so she can't actually hear what Ned's saying, so she's like, I will call you back, um, The things that happen in this book are because I can't remember the exact order of everything that's the problem um and I refuse to pull it out again because I'm gonna just start just reading chunks of it to you. Nancy goes over to talk to Sarah after the time that she discovers her in her suite apparently alone with nobody nearby to help her um and it may have been like during the phone call with Ned that she was like, oh, let me go check on what's going on the next door because they're being so fucking loud that I can't actually hear you. Um, it might've been at that point that she makes friends with her. The next time that Nancy sees Sarah, um, Sarah doesn't actually seem to recognize Nancy as well as she had the night before, or she seems very distracted by something. So there's that. Um, let me think if there's anything else about our background necessarily that I want to talk about. Oh, the one thing that I do want to talk about is that she's, um, Sarah slash Lucille is taking medication for her heart. And she's like, I don't know, it's like oxytomycin or something. And I was like, (gasps) she's taking oxy. She's fucking addicted to oxy. So I looked it up, of course, um, oxy, as we know, it, it came on the market in 1995. This book was published in 1988. So that's not going to be Oxy the way that we would normally think of it. But um, the ingredients for Oxy, what we currently think of as Oxy, originally were isolated and actually developed into medication in the 19-teens. So during World War One, World War II, they were giving the shit out of people in, in various configurations. So the fact that she's taking like an Oxy precursor is completely legit for this. So, but Oxy is not necessarily, um, anything that you take for your heart, but I mean, it's fine. It, it seemed to function in the book kind of like, I guess, nitroglycerin or whatever the fucking shit is that they put under their tongue. And anyway, anyway, so, so, um, so Nacy's talking to Sarah slash Lucille, who was like, oh, um, yeah, you're, you're always welcome to come by and talk to me. Like I, you know, she's still relating to her in that way. Um, the thing that happens is, and I think, I think this is what happens. Nancy sees Maximilian, who is about to follow somebody, and she wants to follow him to see what he's up to when somebody grabs Nancy. And you're like, oh, no. And it's Bess and George. Um, They had not come with her for this trip, but they made a surprise trip up to see her slash some I think it's Bess's mom's college roommate. I don't know anyway. They made up some excuse to come see her, but not to stay in their suite, which was interesting. So they're like, Surprise, we're here to see you and Nancy's like, I was about to follow that waiter. No, it's fine. The thing is that Nancy is has a bad feeling about Sarah slash Lucille. She's she's got a bad feeling that something's gonna happen to her that Like, she always seems on edge. She seems like she's angry with her family. She's fighting with her, like, her sister, her nephew. Like, it just, it seems like a bad situation. So, she's worried about her. And Bess and George are like, what? Girl, you're in New York. You're on vacation. Just take a fucking break. Just, Just take a fucking break. When she mentions it to her father, he's like you, you, this is not you, this is not on you, you don't need to do anything about this, like, it's fine, it's, it's just fine, and Nancy is like, no, no, it's, she, she seems like she needs me, and you're like, honey, it's, it's almost like you're reaching too far, like, Ned's not here for me to bang, I need to find something else to do with my time, and that's gonna involve stalking an old lady, slash, a not really old lady, a middle-aged lady (laughs) with a heart condition, which, as we all know from literary theory, means that she has trouble knowing how to love properly. So, um, Nancy decides to go shopping with Bess and Georgia. Hilariously, the cover of this book, which I did not mention at the beginning of this episode. Nancy has, she's back to her, like, dark Auburn phase. And she is wearing a peach-colored silky shirt, long-sleeved, and a peach-colored, like, matte skirt. And in the background is a guy who's just standing there, just just looking hot, who is probably presumably Archer. And in the background is a handsome cab. We'll get back to that. We're gonna, we're not even gonna circle back. It's just a thing that's gonna happen to us. So. When they're out, um, Nancy, Bess, and George go to Saks Fifth Avenue, and they, Nancy's telling her friends all about the mystery, and they're like, girl, girl, we're at at fucking Saks. Can you just please focus on this? Um, and then Bess finds a dress, and is like, oh my gosh, it's a perfect, it's, it's my size, and it's only a million dollars, and they all just start laughing, which they're right, though. Nancy finds a peach, wool, jacket and skirt combo that she's like yes one thing that I want to mention here um she puts it on with like an ivory silk shirt and I was like you are just rocking that peaches and cream barbie look just just google that shit if you ain't familiar but mm, we're here for it um the other thing is that when Nancy puts it on she's like oh yeah I can I'm sure I can find a, a reason to wear this like she looks very sophisticated in it Nancy is wearing what would probably be considered like professional attire as a costume. Like a professional might go and say, oh, this is something that I can wear to this kind of function. And Nancy's like, I look sophisticated and classy. The other thing that I think is really interesting here is that in the previous book, whenever Nancy was talking to Jessica, the woman who wanted to take Ned's corpse and claim it for her husband's so that she could inherit a horse farm. um, When Nancy's talking to Jessica she, Nancy is wearing, like, this shot silk ensemble that she's like, wow, you look pretty classy. Like, it's interesting to me that there's an implication in the book that Nancy's like, oh, Ned likes girls who appear not only sophisticated, but also, like, kind of down to earth. There's this really interesting, like, tension between Jessica who is the girl you're gonna bang because she's wild but you're not gonna take her home to meet your parents versus Nancy who has been taken home to meet his parents and they have given his blessing and Ned is going to propose to her and it's like Jessica's the side piece Nancy's the main deal so just know that she's just not quite old enough to fulfill that role and again the whole like peach wool ensemble is very much like I'm not this person yet, and I may never be, but if I were going to be here's what I would wear for it so so they buy it, and Nancy takes it back to the hotel, and she's excited to wear it. The thing that happens next is Nancy takes Bess and George up to see sarah's room sarah slash Lucille's room and to meet her and As she walks up, she notices again that the door's unlocked when they walk in um I think that actually, like, the house detective, who, for the, I I don't remember his fucking name, but he will be played by Cyril Figgis, just, yeah, just Cyril Figgis, half, half the cast for this one's just gonna be cartoons, just flat-out cartoons, um, so Cyril Figgis bangs in with his partner, and is like, we caught you red-handed, Nancy's like, what, what, and he's like, there's been somebody that we're, we're convinced that somebody's gonna be stealing something, like, okay, Sarah slash Lucille has a massive ruby engagement ring. I'm pretty sure it was an engagement ring or a gift from her husband that she always has. She keeps it at her bedside and it's been stolen. Whenever somebody tells Sarah this, and I don't remember if it's that Nancy noticed that it was missing or somebody else did, but um, she says, oh, I know what's going on. I'll deal with it. And whenever the house detective is like, well, you know, let's, let me let me tackle some shit. Let me let me just do some shit. And she's like, "No, no, I got this. It's a private matter. I'm gonna handle it. Just shut the fuck up." And Nancy's like, "And you don't have any authority here, do you? You're a house fucking detective, you dipshit." So anyway, he has to let it go. Serial figures has to let shit go. Um, but Nancy, based on everything that they've been saying, is pretty sure that Archer has taken the ring because that's, that fits in with the way that she's acting, it's like, oh, I know who took it, I don't want to start anything, so it's a family member, and it's him, because he's got all the gambling shit happening, and blah, blah, so, so they have to go through all that, which is deeply embarrassing, except for Nancy, like, seriously, as soon as Cyril is like, I'm gonna arrest you, and blah, 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 Nancy's like, Nancy just stares at him, because she's like, do you really want me to have to play this fucking card, you dipshit, do you really, like, girl the other weird thing plot plot device is that apparently a prince of some vaguely african sounding country like just to rub in the nativism we're post-colonial here um was on a some sort of hunting trip in the united states but then got called home suddenly and did not have time to pack all of his hunting gear so it's taking up one of the closets in the nancy and her father's suite And he was like, I've assured them that we will work around it. And I was like, nothing about that made sense. That was adorably ridiculous. So, cool. We've just got a closet full of camping gear. No reason. This is not a Chekhov's gun. So, here's the thing. That night, Nancy and Bess and George decided they're going, I think yeah, they decide to go out and see some nightlife, et cetera. This is, um, and I think that Carson's going to be staying late at his conference or he's like the keynote speaker or some, some shit, some shit. No one cares. Um, so they go to the fucking Trump tower. And I was like, did you have to? Okay. Okay. But if, like they, I have, okay. I've seen it during my trip to, how many, I've been to New York twice. I've never been inside. But I've seen it. Um, They go inside and they're like, oh, they're shopping and there's spas and manicures and, and all sorts of stuff. And while they're in there, Nancy spots Elon Musk, who is on an escalator. And he is carrying a legit folder that you used to get airline tickets in. And I was like, oh, my God, yes. Like, I remember, do you remember the days when you would get, like, a legit printed on cardstock ticket to get on a fucking plane? Do you remember that? Yeah anyway so he's got that in his hand and he appears to be kind of just making a day of it like he looks all smirky very Elon Musk-y and so Nancy's like I've got my spidey senses going off we need to follow this bitch so Bess and George are like are you fucking oh sure sure like Nancy is very much like that friend who you're like, you're gonna get fucking drunk and do karaoke and there's nothing we can do to stop it. We've tried several times, so we're just gonna let it happen because it's just easier that way for us to just very gently decant you into a taxi at the end of the night and just let you sleep this shit off. So they're like, okay, we were going to enable you because we're your friends. So they follow Elon Musk, who I don't remember, like, I know that he like fucks around maybe goes to a jewelry store he goes to the he goes back to the hotel they chase him back to the hotel he goes to the dry cleaners at the fucking hotel which apparently is open till like 10 o'clock at night and he drops off a shirt and nancy's like huh so she goes to the fucking dry cleaners and gets the shirt back and the we don't see that scene this is nancy tells her friends she's like i'll be right back keep keep an eye on him And so she goes and gets the damn shirt, and they're like, "Why? Why did you?" And she was like, "Just a hunch." And I was like, "Again, like Nancy's doing shit that plot-wise doesn't make a ton of it's. It very much is sounding like Nancy is just an incredibly nosy person who cannot stand to not have her fingers in somebody else's shit. But as you know, because you've been with me on this ride before, you know that it's all going to work out for the best. So, um. Nancy goes back to her room. I think that she gets, she sends Bess and George back because they're going to go do some. I don't remember what the fuck. There's They they got a bunch of shit. So she's like, okay, we'll, we'll meet in the morning. She goes over to Sarah's room. I don't know if it's because she hears anything. I think that she might hear something. I'm not sure. Or maybe it's just to make sure she's okay. But nobody else seems to be in the suite. Nancy walks in and Sarah is off her bed. Um, she's disheveled, she's in distress, and Nancy goes over to her, and Sarah asks for her pill, I think, and she's, she is very upset, and she, like, it's, it's as though she's going through some sort of medical episode, and so Nancy's like, are you okay, what do you need, what, you know, can I help you with anything, and she's like, the, the fool, the something, and the devil Oh, the fool, the devil, and death, I think is what it ends up being. So, um, Nancy's like, what? Uh, So, she stammers at it. Nancy's like, are you okay? What happened? Who, Who did this? And so, Sarah says this, and she fucking dies in Nancy's arms. Like, Nancy's trying to help her, and Nancy tries to resuscitate her and fails. And they call medical personnel who the doctor who are the house doctor the plaza is that fucking fancy y'all got some people to hook up some ivs to you if you were hung over and also to make sure that we have declared your loved one's death a a tragic accident so that you can inherit all that money um so the doctor's like there is nothing you could have done like she had a heart condition the heart condition killed her and like, there was no way for you to have, like, intervened or have saved her, which Carson, who, of course, has gone on with his daughter, is like, oh, well, you know, at least there's that, and he's like, yeah, but it still fucking sucks, like, she, she was in danger, I could, I knew that she was in danger due to some bizarre sixth sense, um, I, I wanted to help her, she was counting on me to help her, and I failed, and Carson's like, she had a heart problem, like, honey she had a fucking heart problem please calm the fuck down and Nancy's like I just I feel like this was not her heart condition I feel like this was something else that happened she was like earlier on today she was just like barking orders at servants and just doing all sorts of shit like this did not seem like this didn't match okay in the event of her death Um, Her sister and her nephew would seemingly inherit everything. So her sister and her nephew have vested interests because, again, remember she said she was going to change her will, but she didn't have time to do so. So they would have interest in killing her. Also, the disappearance of the Ruby and the fact that Archer did it. Archer took that Ruby. I think that he doesn't admit that to the cops. Like, they're like, oh, you took it and blah, blah, and you had a fight with her earlier and blah, blah, like both of them had had words with her earlier. And so they're like, Oh my gosh. And then Elon Musk is like, and we were engaged. And Nancy's like, huh? Because everything that Sarah slash Lucille was telling Nancy about her marriage was like, he was my one and only like I'm I was I'm never gonna get over him. I sleep with the ring he gave me next to my bed. Like, I've got pictures of him everywhere. Like she's she fucking travels with pictures, like, with framed pictures, I've got so many questions, like, who the fuck does that, but anyway, um, so Nancy's like, mm-hmm. and then I was like, it's like heartbreakers, where it's like, oh, we were, we were engaged, we were totally engaged, in a legally binding way, like, mm-hmm. anyway, but, so yeah, so Elon Musk is like, and we were going to be married, and, like, Sarah and sarah's sister and nephew were like uh were you were you and he was like yes in six months and they're like no none of that rings true um the sister is fucking hysterical as shit like she just has a fucking breakdown like right there on the floor um nancy at one point follows her to her like she goes to a therapist's office and nancy passes by and it's like psychoanalysis or something and she's like oh, okay. I'm, I'm glad that she's getting the help that she needs because she definitely seems neurotic as all hell. And like, she's in need of some assistance slash maybe some calming meth. Like she just ain't doing well. And the other thing that happens is Bess and George notice Archer and are like, oh my God, oh my God. Like both of them. And Nancy's like, yes, one of you needs to date him for plot reasons. And so George takes this one for the team, which I love. George is like, yeah, I can, I can do this. I can, I can fuck him good again. Um, (laughs) so he invites George to go out with him. Bess is like, I mean, I tried. It's fine. Like, she's like, I would definitely just, you know, go with it if he decided to pursue other options. I'm just saying. So the night that that happens, um, ooh, okay. Let me back up slightly. So Nancy, because she sees, um, Elon Musk. Like Nancy Bess and George C. Elon Musk. They you know, he's in the tower, he he takes the shirt and everything, and after they get back to the hotel, that's when Nancy sees her. Um, what they think is it could have been an overdose of her heart pills. And if it were an overdose of her heart pills, then somebody's responsible for doing that. And the house detective, played by Cyril Figus, is like Nancy Drew, you did this. And Nancy's like, what the literal fuck? Why Why the fuck would I have killed her? And he's like, you stole that ruby ring. And she found out about it and she got mad and you had to kill her. And Nancy's like, my father, Carson Drew, would have everything to say about this, you piece of shit. You absolute. Anyway, so so they, like everybody in there has some sort of reason that they would want to get rid of her that they'd want to get rid of the dead person. So it's the sister or the nephew because they want to inherit. Um, there's no overt reason for Elon Musk to have killed her, but they all hate him. So, (laughs) I mean, it's reason enough. Um, so Nancy is actually taken down to the station and questioned everything. And so her father, of course, is like, yeah, that was, that was pretty fucked up. Okay. Okay. So, um, and of course the house detective is like, so you need to stay in the hotel where I know where you are. And Nancy's like, oh, we got Broadway tickets. You son of a bitch. And he's like, I don't care. And again, he's exactly as competent as Cyril Figgis, which is to say not much. So there's that. Um, he keeps being a complete jackass. Nancy has breakfast with Bess, I think it is, like at one point. And... Like, house detective Serial Figgis just stomps over to her table and is like, you think you're good, better than me? And Nancy's like, I mean, I am, though. And he just sits there and he's like, so what are you having for breakfast? And Nancy's like, what the literal fuck? You are just such a nasty little troll. And then you're like, but I'm going to sit at your table and have breakfast with you. Anyway, actually, I think it ends up being dinner for plot reasons. Anyway, so um, when George goes out with Archer, she discovers that... Archer fucking takes her to a gaming hell, which is not what they call it in this book, but because we're going all Regency on this shit with a handsome cab. Um, so whenever George comes back from the date, Nancy and Bess are like, tell us everything. And George is like, he is, he is just hot as breakfast. Um, that was some good shit. And they're like, are you? And George is like, oh, hell no. Like, he would be a fun in the hay, but he ain't good long-term prospects. And you're like, he's Archer. He's just, he's exactly Archer. Although, I mean, I guess Archer's... Anyway, it's fine. Um, But George is like, he's impulsive. He's he he's not good with money. He did admit to George that he took the ruby ring and pawned it and um, was going to win the cost of the ring back and give it back to his aunt. Yeah. Um, yeah, cause his parents were killed when he was a baby. And so I think, yeah, I th- think the book says that, I think Sarah slash Lucille had a child maybe who died young. And so she and her husband adopted their nephew and raised him and gave him everything in the world he ever wanted. I, th- yeah, I think that she does tell Nancy that her, her daughter died in infancy basically or pretty soon after. So anyway, yeah. Um, and Nancy, whenever she finds out that, um, Archer apparently lost his parents at about the same time she lost her mother, was like, man, like, because anytime anybody's an orphan in one of these books, Nancy's, Nancy feels that deeply, deeply. So she's like, mm, still an asshole, but I mean, I do have some sympathy for you. So, um, so yeah, George is not in love with him, but she's like, yeah, I don't, I don't think you pulled this off because they figured out at this point that it was an overdose of her heart pills. Nancy actually goes back through the pills and she counts the number that, because whenever she goes in there to help Sarah, there's a bunch that are spilled on the floor. She counts them and she comes up with not the right number because she knows that Sarah was supposed to take one a day and she had given her her pill the the previous night. So at that point there were like eight and then when she counts there are like five So the doctor's like, oh, well, she must have taken, like, you know, taken her dosage early and then forgotten and taken another one. And Nancy's like, bullshit, because that didn't seem like a thing that she would do. So the other weird thing is that, um, Sarah's jewelry box is gone. And that whenever Nancy went into the sister's room to ask her a question or just check it out or whatever the fuck, or just to look around at everything in the suite, because she is nosy as fuck. Um, she sees a note. Like a, a piece of paper that just has KILL in capital letters written all over it. And she's like, what the literal fuck? And th- what the fuck? So she goes to the sister. Like the next thing is like, okay. So full disclosure. I found a note in your room that said on it a bunch of times. And I've got questions. So you need to tell me what the fuck is going on. So she... um she's talking to the the sister and the sister's like oh it's a therapy method like this is a thing that my therapist told me would be a good thing for me to do and Nancy's like wow that sounds like absolute garbage but okay and she's like I would never like I would never have killed my sister that's ridiculous I would never like if you want to search my room go ahead or something like that she's like here I'll help you Oh, oh, no, it's um that she tells Nancy that she's got a bunch of these notes where she's just written her feelings out. And she's like, here, you can look. And so she opens up, like, the top drawer of her dresser, and there's the missing jewelry box. And so she screams and is like, you have to hide this, and hands, hands that shit to Nancy. And Nancy's like, what the, no, no, fuck, no, you have to give this to the cops. And she's like, no, no, I can't. And Nancy like at that point is like, oh no, my dad, I have to go meet him for lunch. And so she runs out of the room and leaves the sister with the jewelry box because she's like, girl, I ain't touching it. Absolutely. I'm not touching it. Oh my God. The cereal figures already hates me. No, no, fuck no. So she goes back to um, Talked to her dad, and then she has—I don't know if she necessarily has like second thoughts or anything—but she's like, maybe I should go back over and check this shit out. Um, she does at one point overhear a conversation that's going on in the suite next door, and to hear better, <laughs> leans out the window, which I was like. I have learned from other things that windows in hotels do not necessarily open for reasons. But anyway, so she opens the window and leans out to hear better. Overhears the entire conversation, which I don't I don't even remember. It's probably something about money because almost all the conversations I have are about money. And she, of course, when she's trying to get back in, manages to bash her head and almost fall out the window. And you're like, girl, girl. And of course she gets back in there because, again, we've got a lot of chapters. and need a bunch of cliffhangers, so... I was like, yeah. Now, have I hit my head? Yes. Would I have hit my head in that situation? Almost certainly. But, holy shit. So. Um... Nancy talks to Maximilian a few more times, like he he is if they call for room service he's all the always the one who delivers it if she goes to eat in the other room um like he's he's told Nancy he's like they're trash, they're like they're rich, but they are garbage to people, and I'm not here for it um so there's another point where he offers Nancy information in exchange for money, and Nancy is kind of snippy with him. And he holds out his hands and he's like, you don't understand because you are one of them. You don't understand. You're up there in the penthouse and all these people around you, you don't even see us. And he holds out his hand and he like, there is dirt under my skin. Which, when I read it, I was like, oh shit, we just opened up a whole can of worms. Oh my god. Because this to me is working on a bunch of different levels. I was like, is this is this like an anti-Semitic thing because it feels borderline anti-Semitic? Like his name is Maximilian. The concept of like you being dirt is because he's basically saying like, because I'm lower class, you don't even see me or recognize like my, you you don't want to help. It's, it's basically because he's like, this is the only thing that I can do is bargain and in information. And it, your refusal to help me is demonstrating that you don't understand how, how very crucial this is for me. Which, so much to unpack, so many levels. And the way that he's described in the book is very short. There's one point where Nancy spots somebody that she thinks might be a suspect. I think that actually whenever she goes to help Sarah, she spots somebody tall. She's not sure who it is. Um, but she knows it's not Maximilian because he's quite short. Um, he... In the book, whenever he's described, I was like, Oh, he's like Hercule Poirot, but just not nearly that caliber. Just like I think he's supposed to have like some impressive mustache, but also he's very short and kind of rotund, so there's that. Um anyway, so Nancy's relationship with Maximilian has kind of soured at this point, but anyway. Not that they had a relationship, it was just that he wanted to sell her some information and she was like, mm, but I can get it off Napster easier. So anyway. Um Nancy is having oh, I think that this may be the same night that George is going out with Archer, I think, but it may not be. Nancy is having a meal with Bess in the hotel. Because Nancy's been told she can't leave the hotel. Um, this is when the ho- the detective comes over and he's like, So what have you found out? And Nancy's like, You are a complete piece of shit. Like, oh my god, I hate you. She spots I can't remember... I think that she spots Maximilian... Because Maximilian is giving her the cold shoulder... Because she was refusing to pay him for for things. Um, I think she spots him... Like... Looking... As though he's hurrying after somebody. So she sees him and she's like... Well I'm going to follow him and see what's going on. She... She follows him in the door that he goes into... And I think it ends up in the... I'm not sure exactly where it ends up. Honestly. But... She gets pushed down a chute, which is the garbage chute for the hotel, and ends up on the conveyor belt going to the fucking garbage compactor. Side note, she's wearing the peach wool outfit because she was going to have dinner with Bess and they were going to be at the fancy restaurant, so she wanted to dress up like a grown-up human being. And so she, of course, is wearing her very fancy grown-up costume for this and is on a conveyor belt. And I was like, that shit ain't coming out because she's like Coffee Grounds. And I'm like... That sounds real bad. She almost gets all the way to the end, of course, because that's how this works um when all of a sudden the power goes out, so she manages to get she actually climbs back up the fucking garbage chute, and I was like, I'm calling bullshit on that, but it's okay because you are supernatural so um so she she climbs her peach coffee ground covered ass back up that back up the garbage chute um the powers come back on. The conveyor belt is running again, and so she's like, "That could have been me. That that could have legit been me. Could have been like that scene in Monsters Inc. Where that tiny little toddler's costume is just jammed into a little cube of refuse and and incinerated." So, um, so she of course is freaked out when she emerges from the garbage chute. She's in the kitchen, and she's like, "Huh." So she marches her happy little ass back to her table, which Bess is doing all that she can to keep the conversation up with Cyril Figgis, who of course is a dipshit. And she's like, oh my God, Nancy, what happened to you? And Nancy's like, I don't have any time. Cyril, where is the power room for the hotel? And he's like, oh, I I know where that is. And he's, he's like, I've got a bad feeling. So he eventually finds it. Like, she's like, yeah, he he doesn't know where the fuck it is. He He's like looking around for it in several places. Anyway, he opens up the room to... The door to the room where they... All the... I guess all the breakers or whatever the fuck. The... Whatever. And there's Maximilian. And he's dead. Like, somebody apparently pushed him into the power matrix. Which... Sure. I was like, so they have a bunch of live wires in a room? Maybe? Maybe? I don't know. Anyway. So, yeah. He's dead. He's dead. Nancy's like, huh. Okay. I'm going to remind you because just for reasons. This is the second fucking corpse that she has either stumbled upon or like seen very quickly after they died like oh my god there's one point where nancy's like yeah that that was pretty fucked up and her friends are like you this is holy shit and nancy's like yeah that that was pretty fucked up and it's like like she's like sarah died my arms and you're like you need therapy you need fucking therapy remember paula who fell off the railing in, like, book six and plummeted to her death. And Nancy was like, well, she was stalking me, and that was pretty fucked up, and Ned has to hold me, and maybe there was some banging in a in a tent. Anyway, I'm sorry, I'm getting off topic. Um, But the corpses, like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Anyway, yeah, Maximilian's dead. Nancy's like, his death made the power go out, and... That's what saved me from dying in a trash compactor, so that's that's pretty damn fucked up. Okay, so Nancy has the shirt analyzed that Elon Musk took to the dry cleaners. She then decides on a plan. Um, she doesn't tell you what happened either. Um, and then she decides on a plan. She says that she's going to write a note to all three of her suspects, which is Elon Musk, Archer, and the dead woman's sister, and she's going to say, I know what you did. Meet me in my room. She writes it to all three of them, and they wait. She, Bess, and George. Uh, Carson, of course, is at his Interpol conference, just whipping ass and teaching all cops internationally how to do their fucking jobs, Um, but remember that this vaguely African prince left a bunch of hunting equipment, so Nancy, Bess, and George, like, get a net and a starter pistol, which was mysteriously with the other shit, and also, like, I was like, do they have a fucking butterfly net? Like, are we just gonna scooby-doo the shit up? But anyway, so they're like, okay, the person who tries to come in, it's gonna be them. Um, The first person who comes in is Carson, and they, of course, attack him, put a net around him, and then are like, oh shit, it's you, and he's like, there better be a damn good explanation for what the fuck just happened, and they're like, um, we're trying to catch a murderer, so there's that, um, so they wait for a while, and then Bess and Georgia are like, the adrenaline is worn off, and they're like, yeah, Nancy, we we gotta, we gotta get back, this is, this is pretty fucked up, so somebody does actually come to the door, and Bess sneezes, because she's allergic to fishing equipment, and I was like, that's on brand, though, that's on brand, So the person runs away. They try to follow him, um, but they're unable to catch up with him. So Nancy's like, son of a fucking bitch. But anyway. So Nancy goes to, she says, I have a few more questions for Interpol. Like, she gives her dad... A list of fucking questions to take in her poll and she's like I mean and he's like I, I had to pull in favors to get the last questions answered Nancy's like please and bats her eyelashes and her father's like okay so <laughs> so I think it's the next day actually Nancy goes to the suite oh oh I forgot um Marianne Williamson makes a cameo. Um, Nancy actually has Madame Rosa, who was the person who was reading Sarah's cards. She has her come to her suite, like, I think the morning after the death. And she's like, so can you tell me more? And the person actually reads Nancy's cards, Madame Rosa slash Marianne Williamson. So she does the whole thing where she's like, Nancy, I want you to, to mix the cards, cut the deck so that your energy is in the deck. The first card she turns over is the one that's that represents. I, I can't the Knight of Swords. Or something. I don't remember. I don't remember. I I have exactly the same level as Nancy Drew when it comes to tarot, where I'm like I know what it is, but that's about it. Um. So she turns over a card and she's like, "This is the man you love, and he is far from you." And Nancy's like, "Hmm." And Madame Rose is like, "I mean, like in terms of distance, it's it's not like you you two are going strong." And Nancy's like it is Ned. And then she's like, this is a coincidence, but also it's Ned. Anyway, so she, she talks to Nancy and she tells her that the death card is not necessarily an actual representation of death, although it can be. She's like, it could just mean a dramatic change. And they talk about um, the different cards, like the ones that Nancy saw in her readings. And so Nancy asks about the last reading she had and everything. So she's like, okay, fool is something that Sarah slash Lucille said when she was arguing with her sister. She was like, you're a fool for doing this. So whenever she said fool, um, the devil and death. She asked about the devil card. And devil is basically like a chaos agent. Where it's just somebody who is just out here to to raise hell. And Nancy's like, okay, that kind of goes along with um, Archer. I mean, he's very devilish in that way, but death would be the other person, and Nancy has three suspects, and she's like, okay, okay, so, so the thing is that, like, I think it's around the, I think it's when somebody comes up to the room and gets away, and they follow them outside, that this is when, um, the handsome cab thing happens, so, Elon Musk, who is wearing a trench coat, of course, of course he is, um, runs outside, fucking steals a fucking handsome cab, which, again, is like the horse-drawn carriages that they have there for tourists. He fucking steals one of those bitches, and Nancy's like, son of a bitch, the only way we can catch up with him is by stealing a horse and carriage so they fucking steal another handsome cab which I'm like again are we having some sort of like Victorian era reenactment this weekend what the fuck is happening there's a time when they go through Central Park um like legit walk through Central Park and I was like this is pre-law and order when they're fine like all joggers are finding corpses at all points in in Central Park um so they da- get onto a handsome cab. Nancy actually like shoves the driver out of the way because he's just fucking gossiping with somebody else. And she's like, okay, I got this shit. Go. And so they just push him off and like pursue hot pursuit through Central Park next to the Met. They even mentioned the Met um, when they eventually catch up with him. And um, I think that Nancy has George drive the cab while she like does a flying tackle and, and gets Elon Musk so that's cool. Um, a cop, of course, sees all the, all these shenanigans and stops him, and Nancy's like, hello, my father, the inventor of Toaster strudel, is named Carson Drew, and he is in charge of Interpol, and this man killed somebody, and the cop is like, I'm gonna have to check all that shit out, so they get back to the hotel, and Nancy has her, her great Hercule Poirot, like, denouement, unmasking, all that shit, so this is what happened. The sister was out because she was so neurotic, and also, um, when the the detective found the jewel box, all of the jewels inside it were fakes. Like, there's a the point where it slips out of somebody's hand and crashes to the ground, and uh, everything, all the fake jewelry in there, just shatters. And so, Nancy's like, "Okay, somebody stole the jewel box." left it in the sister's room to implicate her, which again is so obvious that it doesn't make any sense. Like she, she wouldn't have pulled this off. She, she couldn't have done this. Um, When Nancy asks George about Archer, she's like, no, he's, he is impulsive and he's reckless and he, he, but he loves his aunt. Like he wouldn't have done this. He wouldn't hurt a fly. And Nancy's like, okay, I, I trust your judgment, George, you, you generally have good judgment, and especially the fact that George was like, I mean, would I fuck him? Yeah, what, what, am I in love with him? No, like, she's like, okay, so this is not, you're, you're not infatuated, you're just, yeah, it's fine, so that leaves, of course, Elon Musk, so Nancy's like, okay, so Elon Musk did this, he wanted to discredit both the nephew and the sister so that he would inherit the money, from the estate. And you're like, everybody's like, but they weren't married. And he's not saying that they were married. And Nancy's like, ah, he is not Elon Musk. He is a distant relative of the family. And you're like, so incest. And like, okay, supposedly, He's a distant relative of the family, but close enough that he would be next in line if the nephew and the sister were basically convicted of the murder. And um, Maximilian found out some part of the scheme. And so, of course, Elon Musk slash distant relative had to get rid of him. And so that's what happened. He was blackmailing Maximilian was blackmailing him, and so he had to kill him because he knew too much. And so, of course, he like springs at Nancy and is like, nah, 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 nah. and anyway, so yeah, that's that's it, that's it, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, basically. So at the end of the book, um, it, Nancy and her father are finally cleared to leave the hotel. So they go see music, the best musical that's ever happened. And then they come back to the hotel and uh, Archer's throwing a party because he's like, my aunt died, but I'm going to get a bunch of her money and I'm going to turn over a new leaf. And um, he's invited a bunch of ladies and he's just flirting it up. And George is like, hey, I I never thought this was going to go anywhere, so I'm fine with it, cheers, hats off to you, sir, or, and you're like, you are Archer, just trying to get into everybody's pants, everybody's, so, so, yeah, yeah, that's how the book ends, like, so, oh, my God, again, with, okay, Maximilian is kind of coded as, I don't, I, I sincerely don't know. He's he's coded as somebody who is not of Nancy's class and is angry that he's had to endure so much from the people who consider them as betters. He's, again, he's at the Plaza Hotel. Like, there's a point where Carson leaves a room to get him tip money. It's the kind of job that you would think he's probably making bank, but also he, he seems incredibly bitter, and it's He's seeing all these people living this lifestyle that, to him, is, like, completely out of his reach. So, mm, there's that. And then, of course, he's presented as greedy and somebody who would use any knowledge that he gains for ill means. And then he's fucking killed by being thrown into the fucking power grid. And, like, his death is not necessarily uncommented upon, but it's very much not treated with the same... It's like, oh, well the rich lady died, and then it's like, but also this dirty foreigner died, like, hmm, some weird stuff happening there, and his anger at Nancy, and I was like, he's not wrong, though, (laughs) like, the whole, there's, there's dirt under my skin, I'm like, I've, I've got, there's so much to fucking unpack in that, but anyway, so, so, yeah, that's that book. Um, Next time, we're going to be looking at Double Crossing, which, again, is the first time that the Hardy Boys and Nancy Drew worked together canonically. And, oh, I'm sorry. Let me, let me back that shit up. Canonically, Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys first worked together in the 1970s TV series with Parker Stevenson and Sean Cassidy and Pamela Sue Martin. Oh, my God. I think I heard... Did I hear Parker Stevenson on the... 1970s radio station the other day, and I was like, oh, adorable, I don't know, might have been Sean Cassidy, anyway, um, yeah, that's technically, but I think that there are probably scenes that they share, but it was very much like one of those split wheel series from the 70s, so there's that, there's also Nancy Drew and the Hardy Boys Meet Dracula, which presents Dracula as a thing that's legit, where the fuck did I put that book, anyway, so, for the Nancy Drew Files, which you will remember, or you won't, that when I was reading um, Smile and Say Murder, that Nancy refers to the Hardy Boys as fictional, which I found endlessly hilarious. Um, because in this book, she's going to... This series, the Nancy Drew Hardy Boys Super Mysteries, is i guess it would be considered a spinoff it's a combination of this and the hardy boys case files which i guess i'll do a tiny 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 shred of research for next time because i'm pretty sure that the nancy drew case files and the hardy boys well the nancy drew files and the hardy boys case files kicked off at roughly the same time um so i guess two years in they were like you know what two great tastes that probably taste great together i guess Anyway, so we'll read that one. And like I said, A Crime for Christmas I will probably do for Christmas. And then there's Shockwaves, which, yes, oh my God, yes. Like, I really want to do Shockwaves. I love that fucking book. I love that book. There's a point at which Nancy and I are rolling around and Sam making out, and I'm like, yes, from here to eternity, this shit. Give me everything, yes. But anyway, so we'll do that for next week, and then we will go back to the original mystery stories, which we're getting up there, y'all, I mean, we're gonna go through 56, probably, as long as I skim through it, and I'm like, this is not a hot mess, because I'm, I'm pretty sure the croc- Crocodile Island, I'm pretty sure that I have read, I don't know, the cover is just hilariously ridiculous, Nancy's just holding a ribeye steak at a fucking crocodile, as one does, side note, no one does, anyway, it's fine, so, so we'll be doing that, we'll be doing double crossing for next week, and then we'll get back to the, mystery, the original mystery stories, just to see how that plays out, so, as always, stay sleuthy, my friends.